I am thankful that God has given me the strength to be able to stand and preach as he has, and he's been faithful to me, even whenever I got really sick and I was, I couldn't stand to preach. We have a, a small pew on the pulpit, and we'd pull off to the side, and I sat and preached, and, uh, but I just, there's something about God that's faithful in the midst of all of that. I wanted to stand and preach, but I couldn't, I couldn't do that, and so I was kind of excited whenever the time come that I could come back and stand and preach in, in our, my own, at our own church. And, and, uh, and I, I remember saying, going home and saying, honey, did you notice? I stood the whole sermon. <laughs> and so I'm very, very thankful to God for what he's, what he's done and he's done in my life. And he's been so, so good to me. He's been so, so good. I cannot even begin to express how I feel. And uh, tonight, I feel like the Lord again has laid a thought upon my heart. I want to share it with you, but it's a little different tonight because it feels a lot more uh, in the minute than it been prepared. So I just know that God's faithful. If you would open up your Bibles to chapter Isaiah chapter 43. Isaiah chapter 43. We'll look at verse 13. Yea, before the day was, I am he. And there is none that can deliver out of my hand. I will work, and who shall let it? Let's pray. Our precious Heavenly Father, as once again we come to you, O Lord, we know, God, that you are real. Your word is real. You have purpose and meaning in all that you do. God, and I pray that tonight, oh God, that your Holy Spirit will do again, as it's done already throughout this meeting, that it'll take the words to our hearts, oh God. I may not know how to apply it to anybody's life, but I know your Spirit is faithful to do that for each and every person that's here tonight. I thank you, oh God, because you love each person who's here just as much as you love the next person has ever been. Oh God, and I just praise you tonight, and I lift you up, oh God, and I pray Oh, God, that I might be able to express, oh, God, that the words can be given that can express exactly what it is that I feel and what you are. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. We want God to work. I want God to work. I want God to revive. I want God to do the work that only God can do save and heal and, and redeem and deliver and all that God did. I want him to do that. I want him to keep on doing that. And I thank God that he is doing it. Maybe we don't feel like he is doing it as often as we want to see it or and maybe in, in as great a magnitude perhaps. But God is still at work. He has never stopped. He has never stopped being at work. And I'm thankful for that. Here in this passage of scripture says, is letting us know he's, he's always been and the other part of it that I think is extremely important is that there is none that can deliver out of his hand and there's nobody who can stop him from working. Nobody. Nothing can stop God from working. Now, I know a lot of times we feel like, uh, you know, we run up against a roadblock or we see something, maybe somebody we've been praying for for a long time and it looks like the, it, you know, it's just not going anywhere. 
Some of you probably feel that way. You pray for your children or your grandchildren. You wonder, like, are they ever going to listen, ever going to hear? But I am so thankful that once God has begun a work, God has promised that he will perform it. He will complete it. He will. And I believe that he will. And I know it doesn't take, when we think about the sovereignty of God, a lot of times people look at it as though it kind of takes away human will and the free will of humans, but that's not true at all. Uh, God still gives every one of us an opportunity to make choices, and we get to make choices all down through our lives, and he's not going to stop the ability that he's given to you to have the free will. In fact, the Lord has, the Bible says, I create good and I create evil. That's hard for us to to have a concept of, that God actually has control over everything. It was no surprise to God that Pharaoh was evil. In fact, we know that when you study the history, that uh, he even told Moses ahead of time, Pharaoh's going to give you some trouble. And this is what's going to happen. Now, God could have done it any way he wanted to do it. And anything might, you know, why, wasn't God, why didn't God do it this way? You know, I've often wondered, like, things would just have been a lot, in my mind, he could have just done things a lot faster. He could have just, like, struck Pharaoh down, let the children of Israel depart. And even whenever they left, you know, why did they have to wander around for 40 years? I mean, it was a really, if you look at the map, it's a pretty short shot from where they were to where they were going. You know, why did he allow that to happen? Why, do things, why does God do the things he does? I don't know that I can, anybody can explain that, but Romans gives an attempt at explaining why God allowed the whole Pharaoh thing to happen and all the plagues to take place. He said, because God wanted to show himself strong. God wants to show himself. And I thought, you know, God's still doing that. He still wants to show himself strong in your behalf. Last night I mentioned the scripture over in Chronicles. It said, the eyes of the Lord run to and throw throughout the earth, searching to try to find someone whose heart is perfect so he can show himself strong on their behalf. God is looking for that opportunity, and God will work, and God will finish his work. He will complete his work, and there's absolutely nothing that can stop him. It doesn't matter how much people, mankind, wills against the will of God. It doesn't stop God. God in his, his greatness, his omnipotence, his, uh, his, I love this song Brother Chad just sang. I mean, I thought that's just perfect. That's perfect. That's perfect. He's more mighty than the mightiest. He's greater than the great. He's the undefeated champion. And that's exactly what he has been. And he always will be. We'll never be able to have the, he'll never be able to have the title of second place. He's always going to be the first place, number one God, because that's who he is. He doesn't share his title. He doesn't need to share his title. He's not trying to help and try to identify himself as a God. He is God. He is God. There's nothing he cannot do. He says, I will work. And who's going to stop it? I will work, and who's going to stop it? In Isaiah chapter 46, if you turn over there. Go down into verse, 
Well, I want to read verse 5 first. It says, To whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we may be like? Go on down to verse 9. It says, Remember the former things of old, for I am God and there is none else. I am God and there is none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning and from the ancient times the things that are not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God's letting us know there's nobody going to be like him ever. Whatever he makes a decision to do, it's good enough. God said it, that settles it, and that's the way it, it, it is. There's no other way around it. It says he declares from the, the end from the beginning. In other words, he can see far out into your future when you can't even see today. He's got it all figured out. I don't understand that. I don't know how that's even possible. But he's, he has declares the end from the beginning. And the ancient times, the things that are not yet done. He knows. He knows ahead of time. All the curves and the struggles and all the things that go through your life. We humans operate a little bit differently a lot of times. We are always thinking about from point A to point B. Now here's where I'm at and there's where I'm going. That's the way we operate. It's the way we think. You know, you go on a trip, you know, and I'm going from, you know, Quitman, Louisiana to, uh, to Newark, Ohio, and I put that in there. I'm thinking of my destination. And usually the whole trip is an endurance. Right? Anybody's ever driven that thousand miles, you know what I'm talking about. You're ready for it to be over. But in God's way of thinking, the destination is not the point of the journey. The journey is the point. The journey, the process, and what's, what he's doing, his work is what's important. And so many times we get so caught up in what I'm going to be, who I'm going to marry, where I'm going to live, how it's all going to work out. What's the, what's the destination? But the Lord in the process is doing something in you and through you, as we talked about last night. God begins to work a process through your journey, through your trip. You see, sometimes we get so caught up in maybe what, what God's, God's got a big plan for me, you know, and I always get really excited. Well, what, what, what's God's plan for me? Has God got a really big plan for me? And he does. And he's got a big plan for you too. But it's really not what maybe what we think it is. You see, success in God's mind is different from success in mankind's mind. And when we think we're going from here to there, we, we're always assuming it's going to be a successful journey in the way mankind thinks about it. I hadn't really thought too much about it, but it was several years ago. I was, I was thinking about the year 2000. I had worked, and some of you know that I had worked with several of the area churches in our area, and they, there was a, several Church of Gods, and they were all small, and we were thinking about going to have to build a new church because the road, big road was coming through and taking out our parking lot. And um, so I started, you know, and God gave me a, a vision, which I'm not going to tell all of that right now, but anyway, I met with this other pastor down the road, and we were talking about the future of what the future could possibly be like if we as Christians could just work together. And it was kind of an exciting conversation, to be honest. And uh, 
and, you know, doing preacher talk. We did some preacher talk. And, uh, and I, you know, we both have some, and I'm not sharing this to make anybody feel bad. Sometimes you get weary. You get weary in the ministry, all right? And I said, I know, and I, here's what I told him. I said, I know God called me to Louisiana. I said, that was just, I know that for a fact because the way everything happened, it, it was God, absolutely God. But I'm, I'm struggling because I feel like I'm such a failure here. I said, I feel a fail, like I'm a failure. And I shared that with you the other night. Sometimes, I don't always feel very fruitful or successful. Sometimes I feel like a failure. And as I was talking to this brother, and this brother spoke to me, and he says, oh, let me tell you a story. And I'll never forget this. He said, this man went out, and he said he was, a, he was real discouraged, and the Lord told him to go out up on this mountain. And he went up on this mountain, he said, and there was a little cabin up there on the mountain. And uh, he said, Lord, what do you want me to do here? And the Lord says, there's a big rock outside. He said, I want you to go push on that rock. And so the guy goes out, and he pushes on the rock. And every day... You know, he just goes in and pushes on the rock. He gets so frustrated because he comes back in, going talking to God about it. He said, God, I have been pushing on that rock every day, and it still hasn't moved. And the Lord spoke to him and said, I didn't ask you to move the rock. I just asked you to push on it. He said, look how strong you've gotten. <laughs> The guy wasn't expecting to get strong. He thought God was wanting him to do something big. You know, move this big rock off the mountain and, and shove it down and show the mighty power of God. But God was strengthening him through the process. And sometimes that's what God wants to do for every one of us. He's taken and his work in us is many times much bigger and more awesome than what we even understand because of it has greater value to him than it maybe it does to us. But we need to stop and think about that. My idea of success may not be God's idea of success. But we know that there with God there is nothing impossible. It says, with men, some things are possible, impossible, but with God, nothing shall be impossible. There is nothing that can stop God, and nothing can be impossible to God. If God sets his mind to do whatever God wants to do, it always gets done. Now, sometimes we may feel like we're the failure because we can't ever see what God's doing. But don't stop and think like that. Because God actually has a plan and he's at work, working that plan out in our lives on a daily basis. He's working that plan through you. And you may not know it. There's a lot I don't know. But I know he's doing something. He's doing something. During the time of my sickness, and I've shared it with you, that my greatest fear was that I would lose my faith and I didn't want to displease God. I didn't want to displease God in any kind of way. And I thought, that's the last thing I want is to be sick and die displeasing God, right? I mean, if I'm going to be sick and die, I want to know that I did it pleasing God. And so I, would, I remember I called and talked to Brother Tony, and Brother Tony says, well, with a desire like that, it's impossible to displease him. <laughs> I hadn't even thought like that. 
But a lot of times we don't think the way perhaps even God thinks about some things. We think that God has got a plan to think like we think, and God don't always think like we think. You turn to Isaiah chapter 55 and verse 8. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down, and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereunto I sent it. Again, another scripture reiterating the fact that whatever God chooses, God does. What God says, it works. What God purposes is going to be fulfilled and is going to prosper. God never looks at the works of his hands and say, oh, better do that again. He doesn't do that. What he did and what he's doing is absolutely perfect. See, what happens to us humans is because we don't feel like going, life's going the way we feel like it ought to go, then all of a sudden, all of our lives and our, our theology and every way of thinking about everything, it just gets all messed up. And we become very confused. Because we think, well, I prayed about this. And look, this isn't happening the way I think it should happen. But God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His ways are not our ways. The Bible tells us over and over again about the, the, the promise to answer prayer, but it also puts in there something that a lot of people forget about, is that we need to pray according to his will. And sometimes you don't know his will. And you need to find out what his will is before you begin to pray. And there's nothing wrong with that. Phil just tell about his grandmother that she would go and they'd, she'd be called to pray. She had the gift of healing. She'd be called to pray for different people. But she'd always ask the Lord, Lord, what's your will? How do you want me to pray? And I had heard that uh, my grandfather and some of the others in my past had done the same thing. We don't hear that a lot anymore. We hear that a lot of times we hear somebody wants prayer, you just start praying. And we always begin to pray exactly the way we feel like it ought to be prayed for, right? That's natural. <laughs> so this one time, I was called to go to the hospital pray. And I got to thinking about that. And I said, Lord, to be perfectly honest, I don't know if that person's going to make it or not. But only you know. And you can tell me how to pray. If you pray, if you tell me to pray that that person come up out of that bed, out of the hospital bed, I know you're going to do it. You're going to do it right then. But if that's not the way you want me to pray, tell me how you want me to pray. Because God has a will in heaven and he has a will on earth too. Right? And when he teaches the disciples to pray, he said they're there to pray, let thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. God has perfect will in heaven, but we have to pray that we know the will of God and that it be done here on earth. 
And so I prayed. I asked the Lord, you tell me. And the Lord says, I want you to pray that I take away the pain from this person entirely. I said, okay, here it goes. So I went to the hospital, and I didn't pray for the healing. I prayed that God would take away that pain entirely. No more pain. And I had the confidence that God was going to do it because that's what he told me to pray for. And you know what? There was no more pain medication needed. The, thing, the woman did die not too awful long after that. But one of her testimonies was, I never had any pain at the end. You know, God knows all that sort of thing. What, what's, what's, what's his will in this sort of, of whatever it is that we begin to pray for? So whenever you start thinking about all the things, we need to seek God. God, what is your will? Brother Moore, some of you know Brother Moore. He was 99, and he was in the hospital, and they called me. And it was another one of those cases. But, Lord, he's old, and he wasn't even really, didn't seem to be that sick, but he was old, and he was in the hospital. And, uh, and I thought, well, you know, God could still raise him up because he sure was looking forward to his 100th birthday. He had already been planning his 100th birthday party, and he had told me how I was going to be there, how everybody was going to be there, and he was so excited about his 100th birthday party coming up. Brother Moore was a good preacher, good Church of God preacher uh, for years. Some of you know have heard of his testimony being electrocuted, uh, to, and the Lord revived him and saved him in the moment of his electrocution. <laughs> but anyway, um, so I'm on my way to the hospital, and I said, Lord, I don't, I mean, you want me to pray that this guy, this Brother Moore, raise up? And if it's not that, how, how do you go to somebody's room and pray they die? You know, I'm like, I can't do that. And so, and the Lord said, I want you to go tell him I got his place ready. <laughs> okay. So I walked into the hospital room and I saw him and he smiled at me, but he couldn't vocalize very much. And, and I said, I know you're looking forward to your 100th birthday party. And he, I said, it's going to be better than you ever thought. I said, you're going to get to celebrate it on the other side. The Lord's got your place ready. He smiled real big, and I said, do you want me to pray for you? And his last word he said to me was, always. Always. And I preached his funeral sermon using that, his last word, Always. I want to tell you what, God knows exactly what his will is in every moment at every time. And yes, there are times the Lord's moved upon me and said, this is what you're going to pray. This person needs whatever. We went, there was this man. There was this man, it was a neighbor down the road, and he had been down in his back. And I didn't know that he had had everybody in the neighborhood to pray for him. I had no idea. I just heard that he was down in his back and he was crawling to the door and he couldn't, he couldn't get up, and it was it was terrible, terrible the condition that he was in. And I had drove past his house, and the Lord says, "You need to go pray for that man." I was like, "God, I don't even know him." That's kind of what I was, yeah. And the Lord said, "You need to go pray for him." So I got home, and I told Phil, I said, uh, "I feel like the Lord wants us to go pray for this guy." He said, "Okay." So he gets on the phone. He calls him up. He knew him. I didn't know him, but he calls him up. And a man says, okay, he said, I might have to crawl to get to the door to let you in, but come on. Sure enough, he was in so much excruciating pain. But I had a confidence. With, why would God want me to go pray for that man's healing if God wasn't going to heal him? 
So I walked in there, and I, and I just said, well, here goes. In my mind, I'm thinking, here goes. I'm going to ask you, Lord. And we began to pray, and we prayed, and he said thank you. We said goodbye. Bill checked out, and the next day he was outside and pushing his lawnmower mowing his yard. And he said, God healed me instantly. See, we have an almighty God who still can do anything he wants to do. We often think that healing and life and all that is the, the superb part of life. But I want to tell you, the, the greatest part of life is God's will. That's the greatest part of life, is having the will of God at work in your life and you operating according to his word and his will because you're always victorious. He cannot fail. He cannot let you down. He cannot turn his back on you. He cannot stop what he started. He never does halfway jobs. He completes it all the way, all the time, for whatever it is you need. That's the kind of God we serve. He never did a halfway job on anything. And I'm telling you what, he still is going to complete that which he starts. During the time of my sickness, about December the 4th, I had been, it was December the 4th, I had, I had been reading, uh, Sister Kathy and I had been sharing books back and forth. She'd tell me which books she was reading, and I'd tell her which books I was reading, and I'd get the books that she was reading. We're trying to encourage one another's faith. And um, anyway, I had been reading through, and I thought, you know what? Our God is really just as real as, as he can be. And I just assumed that healing was just going to happen to me. As you all know, but I kept praying about it, and I, and finally I got so sick that I thought I don't really care if I die. I don't. I, don't, I mean, I'm just too sick. It didn't even matter. But uh, on December the fourth, I come to the conclusion, and the song come to me really strong. God's going to finish just what He started, even though the waters have to be parted. God's going to finish what He started in you. And I thought, I believe God started something in me. And he's not done yet. He's not done yet. I don't know how it's going to turn out, but he's not done. And I remember when I first got sick, my daughters, everybody, they were afraid that I was going to die. And I said, listen, I'm going to die one day. I will, but I'm not going to die with this foot problem. It'll be something else. <laughs> they don't want me to this foot, this infected leg. And, of course, I didn't. But I know that whenever God's ready for me, he's going to take me, and it's going to be a good thing. And I said, well, I, want you to tell you, I want to tell you something, girls. God's not going to take me till he's ready to take me. I said, but I do believe I'm going to live long enough. Y'all are going to be praying he takes me. <laughs> and they said, oh, Mama. But I do believe that. When you're with God... Because there's nothing he cannot do and he cannot fail, you only have a choice of victorious living. That's one of the things that kind of surprises me today that of all the people on the planet that should be the happiest people on earth should be the Christian. Right? They're the happiest. They should be the happiest. And yet so many times, there's so much grumbling, complaining, murmuring, just, just a constant irritation in their spirit about this thing or that thing or whatever thing, and they don't ever stop and think, 
Our Heavenly Father is the Lord of all. We speak a good theology, but a lot of times we don't really believe it. That somehow that God is in charge and God's in charge of all the things that's going on and God is sovereign and God's operating independent and God's absolutely in control. We can say all the right things until all of a sudden it's like our washer and dryer broke down. Then I'm not so sure. But I'm going to tell you what, God's in control of everything. Absolutely everything. And when you stop and think about that we have a God who has never failed, who's never been defeated, who always operates perfectly, who's, who is intimately involved in all the very details of our lives, how could you not sit back and calmly say, God's got this. And yet so many times we get ourselves worked up into a little frizzy about what are we going to do? What are we going to say? How are we going to do this? What's going to take place? You know, and I've always been amazed how God never tells us to ever, ever worry about the how. You ever notice that in all the scriptures? He never tells you, now I want you to try to figure out how this is going to work. He never does. He says, whatsoever you shall ask. He always talks you to, tells you to deal with the, the, the what. Leave the how up to him. Because I want you to know, when God is at work, he's the greater influence, and it doesn't matter what you do. He has the greater impact. So that's why when you have a little faith, his faith reaches farther down than what your faith can reach up. You have a little strength, but his strength is all-powerful and can encompass anything you possibly knew or know. You might say, well, I have just a little bit of intelligence, just a little bit of common sense, but I want to tell you what the Bible tells us. He has made unto us wisdom. He has made that for me. And you say, well, how does that actually work? That sounds like really good things to think about, but I'm going to tell you it's absolutely the truth. Absolutely the truth. One Sunday morning, I was getting ready for church, and I was working, and I was trying to print off something. I had to get it to the church, and, and I had opened up my printer, and when I did, it fell apart. And I thought, great, I'm halfway done. This is not done. And I, I thought, this is, I know this sounds like a silly thing, but I thought, I don't even have a clue. And I kept trying to put it back in, put it back right. And there was no way to, I, I couldn't figure it out. And I don't think I'm a dumb person, but I couldn't figure it out. And finally, I just said, Lord, you're smarter than the engineer who made this. And I know you can help me know how to put this thing back together. And lo and behold, he told me exactly, in, put in my head, in my mind, exactly how to turn it apart and turn it such and such a way, and it worked perfectly. I sat back and I thought, man, you are smart. God. It's just little things, but he, he's made unto us that. He knows absolutely everything. Back in 2009, we had such a huge outpouring of corn that grew in our garden, and uh, we didn't do much gardening. And I wasn't much at putting up stuff, so I gave over half of it away because I didn't know how to do it all or want to do it all. And so I but I had a lot of corn, and I put it up. And I put it up all really nice and neat in freezer bags and, and I stuck it in my freezer. And I'd seen enough corn, I didn't even want to eat any for a while. Well, the problem was it all froze together and I couldn't get any of it out. <laughs> it's just a little problem, right? It's just a little problem. It wasn't that big of a deal. And I thought, well, I'll get a knife. And I, was, and I thought, no, that's silly. I'm going to tear up all my bags. 
I can't do it. And then I thought, I'll get a hair dryer. And I thought, that just melted them together worse. And I thought, you know, this is crazy. I've got all this corn and we can't even eat a bite of it. Because I can't figure out how to get it out of the freezer. And so again, I asked the Lord. And I know this is silly stuff to you, perhaps. Doesn't matter to you at all. I just want you to know that it doesn't matter what it is. It could be the health of your body or it could be a package of corn in the freezer. And I asked the Lord, help me know how to get out a package of corn. And the Lord told me, he said, see the second level down there? Pull out the second one. And it came out. And after a while, all the rest of them started falling apart. I thought, you are so smart. He is. There isn't anything he doesn't know. Anything he doesn't know. One day that I was sitting at home and Phil called me, he was in the paper mill, and he said, Sarah, you really need to pray. We got a big problem up here at the paper mill. He said, something has gone wrong, and we have looked, and they can't figure out what it is and how to fix it. And, uh, you know, I really knew that was out of my league. But I thought, you know, well, I told him I would pray, so I pray. So I did. I said, Lord, you know how to help whatever's going on at the paper mill, and you know how to show them what it was. And as I sat there, the Lord decided to show me what it was. And I didn't know what it was, even though he showed me. And I said, God, you're going to have to give me some words. And he showed me it was a cylinder on the backside of the machine by the dryer. Now, that didn't make any sense to me at all. And so Phil calls me back. And, uh, or I called him. I think he called me back. And uh, he asked me, did you pray? And I said, yeah. And the Lord said, it is this particular cylinder on the back side of the machine by the dryer. And he said, we never even thought of looking at that. And so he says, he goes and tells the bosses. He said, God told my wife exactly where the problem is in the machine. And they went and they found it and they fixed it exactly what it was. And I still don't understand what I saw. I don't even understand what I said. But that's just how smart he is. He sees everything, everywhere, all the time, and he never makes a mistake. We could go on and on and on with all the things, just with the wisdom of God. But I want you to know he's not just his wisdom, but his power and his might. There's anything he cannot do. Not anything. Nothing too big, nothing too small. It doesn't matter what it is. He had power over all the elements of nature. He had power over all the diseases. He had power over all the demons in hell. He had power over absolutely everything. And Jesus makes that statement. All power is given unto me in heaven and earth. He knew he had all power. I know we get really afraid when you start thinking about, oh, if, it, if, if the people in leadership just get the power that they're really hungry for. I don't care how much power they get, they're never going to have all power. God has always reserved that spot for him. Okay? They can try as much as they want to, but they can't do it. They can't do it. 
And it doesn't matter what kind of threatenings, what kind of fear that comes out, and what kind of they try to push on you that you absolutely have to do, whatever. God is still in control. When my grandfather was young, he got mixed up with the mafia. Not a good thing. And I hope they don't know I'm kin to him. But anyway. He ran for his life. He hopped on trains and did everything, but he, he ran for his life. He'd been hooked up with the mafia. Well, they were out after him for something. I don't know because he left the group or whatever, but they were out after him. And it was even after he got saved, they were coming for him. And he cried out to God, Lord, you know, you know what's needed. I don't have to take care of myself, but you know what to do. And those guys got lost on their way. And they signed the records off and said, we, 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 I guess he's gone for good. We can't find him. They, kept, they couldn't find him. God is able to do absolutely anything. Anything. There was one time I was walking down. We used to have a place around the campground that we would walk. We called it the, the square, but it was really a triangle. Anyway, <laughs> we were from Missouri. <laughs> but anyway, it was a big triangle in the country roads. And uh, we would walk around that sometimes at night. A bunch of young people would, and we would just laugh and sing and have a good time. Well, I had, there was a couple girls that came to camp meeting that year, and they were foster kids, and I didn't know a lot about them. But I was hanging around with them, trying to show them a good time, and we decided to walk the block. And uh, as we walked the block, they told me that they had been adopted by a family that uh, bought and, uh, that raised marijuana and sold drugs and was into the big, big drug business, and they got as many foster kids as they could into that business to help them do the job. And uh, those girls were thinking about leaving because they were now up at the age they could just leave but the one girl says, I'm kind of their slave, and I can't, I can't leave. She said, in fact, I'm pretty sure they're coming for me. She said, if you see a couple motorcycles, she said, it's these loud motorcycles, she said, they're coming for me. And we happened to be walking around that block that night, and, and I heard them. <laughs> the motorcycles were coming. And I asked Connie, I said, Connie, is, is that them? Are they coming to get you? She said, yeah, and I said, well, come over, and we jumped over into the ditch, and I began to pray, and we was uh, up in the bushes, and I was praying that God would uh, protect us, and we heard them. We heard the motorcycles come, and they were hollering, you know, because they couldn't talk very, so they're hollering back and forth from one motorcycle to the other, and God had so confused them, they couldn't figure out where they were going, and I heard that what I, I could tell what they were coming for. They were actually were coming for us. But I, I just want you to know there isn't anything that God cannot do. There's nothing God cannot do. My grandmother was a preacher up in the northern part of uh, Louisiana in Farmerville, and there was a, one of her kinfolks, I think, had been an old preacher, old Brother Smith, and he, he would travel horseback from one church to another church, and and there was a lot of people didn't like it because Brother Smith preached against chewing tobacco and smoking and, and all the stuff that a lot of people don't want to think about that, that's wrong today. But he, he was preaching and laying it down the line. Was a whole bunch of men got mad at him because he was preaching so hard and so strong. They decided we're going to get him. And when he comes through this area, we're going to actually take him out. 
And so he, a Brother Smith's going through in the dark, going through the pine trees, and he's just praying and singing or on his horseback going, and he gets to the church. And that night, the church was, was full. And all those guys that hated him were there. And they went to the altar. And he, they, they come up to him and he says, Brother Smith, how did you know we were coming after you? He said, I don't know what you're talking about. They, he said, they said, you do too because you had an entire army around you. And we couldn't even get to you. He said, there was horsemen and an army all around, surrounded you. I want you to know that was a more modern day story, very much like the story of Elisha and his servant with all the chariots of fire. There is nothing God cannot do. There's nothing he doesn't know. There's no thing, there's not ability within God to lie, and he cannot fail. And he says he's going to finish what he starts. He's going to finish what he starts. You know, a lot of people feel like in their lives that they were perhaps an accident. They were born in the wrong place, the wrong time, the wrong family. I want you to know there is no one alive that's an accident. You are a plan of God. God had an intention for you that you would get to know his son and that he could be able to be strong for you and be able to raise you up and change you and work through you. There's nobody that's so far gone that God can't do something with. Aren't you glad? There's nobody so far God gone that God can't do something with. There's no one so broken that God can't heal. There's no one so, so down in the depths that God can't rescue and God can't redeem. Because He's God. And if He's ever one time reached out to you, I want to tell you what, He still is seeking you to come follow Him. You see, God didn't create us to be losers. I think a lot of times people look at that at the church and say, well, there's just a bunch of losers. And I think a lot of people come to the church thinking, you know, hey, at least I'm not good at anything else. I can do this. <laughs> so they come with an attitude like they're just going to be a loser. And they operate like losers. You know, losers don't really try very hard at anything. Because you can still lose and not do anything. Right? But a lot of people operate in the church and in their lives as though they're just born losers. But as a child of God, and you become a child of God, you're a born winner. And why do I know that that's so? You're saying, well, I don't feel like a winner. I don't feel like I'm smart enough. I don't feel like, I'm going to tell you what, you're a winner simply because of the Lord Jesus Christ has got the victory for you and he wants to take you through his parade and help you live a conquering life. And he doesn't want anything to separate you from his love. Neither death nor life, principalities, powers, any kind of problem, any kind of turmoil, any kind of peril, any kind of persecution, any kind of thing. He's not going to allow anything to separate you from his love. Only you can separate yourself from the love of God. No one can pluck you out of his hand. 
It doesn't matter how much rejection you get on this earth, how many people have turned their backs on you and kicked you to the curb. It doesn't matter how many times they've lied on you and they've done you wrong. It doesn't even matter because when you're a child of God, you're still a winner. And you need to act like it. You need to act like it. I'm going to act like it. Our God is in heaven, hath done whatsoever he pleased, Psalms 115 says. In the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar had to come to this conclusion. He doeth according to his will in the armies of heaven and among the inhabitants of earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? Nothing, nothing can work so hard against you to ruin God's plan in your life. You can look at the stories of Esther, the story of Joseph. Joseph had a rough go. God started a little work in his life, gave him a dream. Just a little dream. And all of a sudden, when the dream starts happening, the brothers get all upset. I want you to know that's kind of the way it is in almost every aspect of your life. When God begins to do a work in you, the devil will come to do a little tormenting. He always does. So it doesn't matter what it is. You say, God's going to do something for me. God's really going to do something. That's kind of why God's really going to do something for me. And all of a sudden, I get really, really bad sick. He's trying to destroy what faith I had in an almighty God. But I want you to know the devil is a loser. He's always a loser. He always will be a loser. Not only now, but here and forever, he's a loser. But he wants you to get off of the winning side. And we have a champion who's not going to turn his back on you. If, a, if our God, as that song she sang, if he could hang the moon, he's not so easy. He's not going to forget you. If he can name every star, do you think he don't remember your name? He knows your name. He had you planned from a long time ago for this very moment, for this very time. And even though Joseph had a lot of problems and his brothers actually tried to, they were the first one wanted to kill him, then they sold him, and, and they thought they was just got rid of him for good. But I want to tell you, everything they did was just falling into God's plan. God had a plan for Joseph to be head over Egypt so he could help save all his own family alive. But nobody knew that. God knew what his plan was. If you live Joseph's life, and you could read about it in just a few minutes, but it took him years to experience what a horrible thing was happening to him. He was lied on. He was sold. He, was, he would become a slave. And then he would lie on again. And then he was put in jail. And then he was forgotten. I mean, just think about it on and on and on. For years, it just seemed like the bad things kept happening to him. But everything that happened to him was just lining up for the plan of God. It was lining up for the plan of God. And we need to stop and think about that. You think, well, I've had this problem in my life. And I've had this problem in my life. I want to tell you what, you just need to go ahead and thank God. In everything, give thanks. Because whatever is happening in your life, God's lining you up in his plan and in his purpose. I don't know what it'll look like in the end. 
But I'm going to tell you what, one of the things we're going to get to do, we get to the other side, and I believe he's going to show you the big movie. And you'll see all the things, and you'll know all the things you never realized. You'll look and you'll be able to see the impact that your life has made. And you may feel like you have had no impact on anybody anywhere. I know that feeling. You may feel like, but I think one day we'll look back and we'll start seeing that one, that one, that one. You remain faithful and God has put you into his plan to do his work and his will and he cannot fail. So whether it's life or whether it's death, whether it's health or whether it's sickness, whether it's wealth or whether it's poverty, whether it's in the north or whether it's in the south or whether it's whatever it is, God's bigger than anything. God's bigger than anything. When I first heard of my husband before I met him, I don't think it's ever possible I'd get a man like that. A good man. But I had been praying to the Lord. I want you to send me the right one. You know who the right one is for me? I don't have a clue. All my sisters had gotten married and seemed to have done well, and and I was alone. I was 25, and, and by that time they were all married, and And I didn't think it was even possible I was going to get married. But I kept praying. And one thing I really wanted, I wanted a man that could believe God. Just a man of faith. I remember asking the Lord, Lord, if someone said, who are you going to marry? And I said, I'm going to marry Abraham. And they said, said, why? I said, because I'm Sarah. And Sarah's supposed to marry an Abraham. Duh. But my thing was, I wanted a man of faith. And whenever I first talked to Phil, one of the first times I talked to him on the phone, and I was explaining, I said, there's no way, there's no way this is going to work out. And he said, he said something to me, and I'm thinking, he's the guy. And he said this, God is bigger than any problem we have. And in my mind, I didn't say it to him, you're the guy. Mm-mm. In my mind, I was thinking, he's the guy. He's the guy. I want to tell you what, we need somebody and more somebodies in this world that's realizing God can still do anything. I did not have a clue about who he was. I did not know he was anywhere raised like I was, but it was raised almost identical. And our parents, the way they brought us up. I'm thinking, wow, how is it even possible? But God knows. God knows where every person is on the planet, every time, everywhere, all the time. Don't get discouraged and think that somehow your life is at a dead-end spot and that it's, a, it's impossible for God to do. God's always able to do, possible to do anything. Anything. What are you willing to believe him for? Joseph said to his brothers, he said, you meant it to me for evil, but God meant it for good. God meant it for good. And on and on we could go with story after story of how God has intervened, how God has come through, how God has showed his independence. I want to tell you what, all he's looking for, open, willing, available, believing, 
vessels. Open, willing, obedient, and believing vessels. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying for your loved ones. I know it's my last night here. Maybe not forever, but for right now. But don't stop. If you don't see them come to the revival, don't think that your prayers are not being making a difference. Because when you're praying according to the will of God, God hears. And the Bible tells us in 1 John, it says, and, what, and what, whatsoever we ask according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, we know we have the petition that we desired of him. Either his word is true or his word is not true. There's not an in-between, right? So if you're praying according to his will, keep praying. The Bible says, don't doubt he that doubteth is like the wave of the sea. And he says, anybody who does that, he said, don't let that man think he's going to receive anything of the Lord. Don't doubt. We have a God who can't fail. We have a God who can't lie. He might not come out the way you think it's going to come out, but I'm going to tell you it's going to come out just the way he wants it to come out. He's going to come out just the way he wants it to come out. And he can receive the glory in every bit of it. Don't stop praying. Don't stop praying. My mom and dad prayed for my oldest sister for years and years and years. Mom and dad both passed. But my oldest sister gave her heart to the Lord. Don't stop praying. There's old brother blind, a blind brother, his brother Alan, Egbert Allen. He would preach and he was an awesome preacher. But never failed. Every time I would hear him preach, he would get down at the, at the end of his message or, and he would kneel down and he would pray for his brother that was lost. And brother Allen was an old man. And I thought, he's still praying for your lost brother, you know? By this time, this man's had plenty of opportunity to get saved. Brother Allen died. The next year, his brother got saved. I want you to know prayers are as eternal as God is. Amen. And when we're operating in the spirit of God, it may not happen on our timetable. I'm going to tell you what, God knows how to make it happen. Don't give up believing. Don't give up believing. Don't start thinking God is too small. or God may not. Or maybe God doesn't care. All those things are just lies straight from the pits of hell. God wants a work done, and he wants a work done in your life, in your family, in your church. And God wants to use you. He wants to show himself strong to still be the God who still can. Amen. Let's stand together and sing a song in closing. Fathers, we look to you again at the close of this service. I know, Lord, that every heart is here. God, we're all looking to you. That's why we're here. God, we, we know that you're our only hope. We know that you're our only salvation. Oh, God, you're the only one who gives life. Oh, God, you're the only one who offers an eternity with you, a life of peace. Oh, God, we know, oh, Lord, that you love us so desperately, oh, Lord, that you are willing to send us of your son to show us, to prove us, to, to draw us to you. God, and I ask you tonight, oh, God, there's any here tonight, oh, Lord, is praying for loved ones. Oh, God, that their faith has been shaken somehow with all the problems that they face, and they just wonder, Where's God and is he going to come through?
God, I pray that you reignite them tonight. That they'll come forward and grab a hold of your promises and make that commitment that they're going to be willing. They're going to be obedient. They're going to be faithful. They're going to serve you with all they got. They're going to make themselves available to you. I pray tonight. I know sometimes things just happen in life and people just get drawn away. But I'm praying tonight, oh God, draw them back to you. Oh God, to the God who can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.